course, that sound means that uh, Tim and Howard are ending their weeks-long Swing Thoughts hiatus. Another episode of Golf Wisdom is about to be unleashed upon the masses. (laughs) Unleashed. (laughs) Let it go. That's right. People are saying, I I just, like, all over the world, people are like, "What, what happened? Where's... Where's Golf Spiritual Leader? Where's Coach Tim? When are you coming back? Why have they forsaken us? What will our leaders have to say about all the goings-on in golf? Uh, lost without their wisdom. Exactly. Uh, I'm Golf Spiritual Leader. Why? Because I say so. That's why. <laughs> I don't know. It's been so long. You know, I, it's been so long that I've been calling myself that. I can't remember how it started, but that's what we are. And, of course, Coach Tim, mental performance coach to the stars and to everyday folks just like you. <laughs> um, this program in uh, 2023 was sponsored by... Oscar Bravo Golf Apparel, and uh, we thank them for their support. And uh, TaylorMade Golf, and I think right off the top, we didn't discuss this, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it. We would like to uh, make an announcement that in 2024, TaylorMade Golf will be back with us. Uh, in uh, in a, uh, a sponsorship capacity, and uh, we are certainly appreciative of that. And uh, thank them for their patronage, and we will be uh, discussing all kinds of uh, new tailor-made product, including another new tailor-made driver that uh, we're going to get fit for. They've got some new balls we'll be talking about, um, and it's uh, quite exciting, Timothy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so cool to be back swinging tailor-made stuff. I mean... We always were, but to know that we're still doing it, such a great company to work for and uh, with, and uh, I got to get my mouth working. <laughs> well, you know, I also wanted to mention, too. It seemed too, to go okay when you were just no, chatting. Yeah, I know, you're fine. Maybe I'm out of practice. Maybe I it's know. like the first tea jitters or something. We, we, uh, we had a long discussion before I hit record, and you seemed fine. <laughs> then I hit record, and, and uh, I don't know. Uh, you seem fine to me, too. I, I would like to Thank say, you. though, from the uh, Swing Thoughts sale depart- sales department, <laughs> that we are open for business. Uh, if you're a company like Oscar Bravo or TaylorMade, we have some room now in our agreement with TaylorMade if there's another golf manufacturer of sorts that wants to uh, co-sponsor or become the title sponsor or anyone in the golf space <laughs> there's two things i i hate i hate when people talk about the space they're in the golf space and i hate when people talk about the journey they're on so anyway if you're, so if you're on a golf journey and you'd like to have us uh, promote the golf space that you're in uh get a hold of us uh, very simply uh, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, or you can get a hold of one of us. It's uh, pretty easy. I don't I mind giving. So I don't mind giving. Always, always be closing. Always ABC, be closing. Very that's good. right. You very know. good. Very good. I was going to say, um, do you, I, I'm okay giving out my email. Uh, so let me just do it quickly. It's humblehoward at yeah. gmail dot com. In your email, we've given out because you know you, of course, are always looking for uh, coaching opportunities. I have said your email on the show before, haven't I? Yeah, Tim at O'ConnorGolf.ca. No apostrophe, just that, but there you go. All right, uh, well, here we are. Why, how long has it been? I was trying to think this morning. Is, has it been the entire time that I've been? In, have we done one show since I've been in Mexico? Nope. Okay, so we it's like not. six so weeks have gone by. Ish, yeah. yeah, that's right. I missed you, pal. I miss you, brother. Yeah. And uh, as you can see... You, you, you people who are listening can't see because we're not. This isn't going to be on YouTube today, but I'm sporting an O'Connor style, little bit. It's not full goatee because I got more of the beard going. But uh, you notice that I we were, we were talking about shaving before we hit record. That I've got the uh, plus sixty year old thing going now. That's right. It's like I, I was saying earlier, it says you, you get past 60 and uh, all your old grooming habits out the window. <laughs> Who effing cares? I need a haircut. Who cares? So what I'm talking about is I've got like a, uh, I, I guess it's it, it would be a trimmed 
facial hair slash beard. And I sheepishly admitted to Tim that the reason I have it is because about two and a half weeks ago, uh, me novia, Senora Julieta, remarked, I like, here's what she said to me. I, I don't think she meant it the way it came out because sometimes her English is a little bit weird, like my Spanish. But she patted my face because I hadn't shaved for a couple of days. She goes, I like this. She said, it makes your face more interesting. <laughs> now, I'm not sure that's exactly what she meant. And I sort of looked at her like, what did you think of it before? Anyway, so... Should there have been a loss in translation? <laughs> I think so. It makes your face more interesting. So, um, I like to touch it. That's what she, how she says. It's her accent. She says, I like to touch it. Touch. So, anyway, uh, so now for two and a half weeks, I've been rocking this... Uh, because here's why. Like a lot of things with, my, with men, because a woman liked it. So, now I'm stuck with it. Yep. Yeah, no choice in the matter. Anyway, I'm coming back to Canada. We're recording this on Thursday, December 7th. I'm coming back to Canada on uh, Saturday. It's been great. I realize I'm very lucky to have uh, been able to hang out here at uh, my brother and uh, sister-in-law's place in uh, the Mayan Riviera. I've got, to, you know, the thing is up until quite recently, I hadn't played much golf. To be honest with you, I sort of had my kids down here for a week, which was magic. And yeah. I wanted to give myself a little bit of a break. Now, having said that, I mean, I can get to a, I can leave where I'm sitting right now. I can get to a little mini driving range with mats in about five minutes. I, the, the actual golf course I'm playing at is about a 20 minute drive. And it's a great golf course. They played a tour event there years ago. It's called PGA Riviera Maya. And now they've moved the tour event here in Mexico to Maya Coba. But nevertheless, this is a championship golf course that I get to play. So I'm ever, the last week or so, because I'm coming down to my this last five or six days, I've been on my own. And I will admit that I've been to a golf course every single day. Okay. Just every yeah. single day. Well, if if I was on my lonesome in some lovely southern destination and had a championship golf course, that's where I'd be spending my time. You could just guarantee it. Yeah, and I get there early because uh, by about 11 or 12 in the middle of the day, it becomes punishing. Like I played yesterday. I was done at, I guess I was done around one thirty. Around Between noon and 4 here where I am, it becomes a bit much. But uh, I understand most people back home would love to be you know, sweating in the sunshine. So um, are you, uh, now what about you? You're taking, uh, you're still teaching people at the, uh, what's the place in uh, Guelph that you're uh, instructing at? The golf house. The golf in, house. Uh, in, in Guelph. And, uh, oh, it's going great. I, I kind of thought that the demand for lessons would be um, more in like, say late winter as as golf approaches but uh the demand has been pretty good so i got a pretty full schedule obviously there's 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 always room but oh i'm really enjoying it um working with um a whole bunch of folks from you know uh novices to low handicappers and it's really fun it's this it's the second season that i've worked with the technology uh in terms of a cold it's so it's not trackman or uh, foresight. foresight, yeah. It, it's called uh, Orica and Unrica, I think. Or <laughs> I wish. It's, wait a second. It's not. It's not Eureka. No, it's not Eureka. It's oh, I'm just. It's something along that. I'm just going to screw it up. Anyways, it's really great technology, but um, it's really interesting how I can hit a shot when I'm working on my own, and I can guess at the club path. And the club face angle, I'm getting better at at being able to just guess them, and uh, and it's really interesting. And and uh, I think just in terms of if you're able to understand, particularly club path and club face and the relationship of those two things, that's the core data that I think that so many golfers can take advantage of um, to uh, to 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 learn how to hit shots mm-hmm. rather than play golf swing, if you will. I, I agree, actually, uh, that a lot of people misunderstand what produces 
the 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 activity a golf ball the the energy imparted on a golf ball a lot of people uh, don't understand what the path does and what the face does and that's, that's right. why a lot of people try and you know Evershed has a great thing about this and let me just pause for a second you know Mark said this to me this summer he said if the shaft were square everyone would understand how to swing it. Most that is people, such a shedism. That it, is so it, good. It is because the way the, the way if you put your hands on a let's say a a stick like a hockey stick, you'd have no you would have you would instinctively know how to turn it or or what to yep. do with it. But because the shaft is round and the and we think that the face is the thing that produces the path, and we get it mixed up. So you know this old saying in golf: path send it. The path sends it. The face bends it. And, yeah, I love that. I've and, never heard that. Have I you never that. heard that? Well, think no, about that's it. That's a beauty. So the the path the the path of your shaft is the thing that sends it. It sends it to a. That's why you know the old thing about golf about you know you you line up um, you line up with second base, but you send it to right field. Mm-hmm. But what bends it back to second base is the rotation of the face. Yep, and that's why what you're talking about this eureka or whatever this da- this data is, and that's why it's foresight and 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 TrackMan's main, uh, you know, a lot of things that coaches do is is they see they want to know what what the path was. Mostly, a lot of people their path is way to, from the inside, and mm-hmm. what the face angle is. Anyway, um, but yeah, the the path sends it, the face bends it. I wasn't even close. It's Unicor. Ah, uh, Unicor. <laughs> Un? No, it's U N K O R. Wait, it's not Un- Eureka. No, not that's funny. Close. That Un- is really e- funny. I think it's <laughs> Unicor. You know, Tim. I should probably know how to pronounce it. No, it's a, the best thing about it is Unicor is so far from Eureka, but it's also close enough for old guys too. Thank you. That's all I can hope for yeah, exactly. in, my, in my vintage. But you know what's interesting? Maybe while we're just on this, is um, is that so many golfers because they dread the shot that starts to the right and goes further right. You know, whether it's with irons or or a driver, they default to hooding the club face. So if you're a right hander, that club face at address is facing left. Mm-hmm. So a lot of golfers would do that as a default, but also golfers who are trying to hit a draw, they'll do the same thing at address. And the club face dictates where the ball starts. Yes. And so if that thing is pointed left, it's going left. And with a draw, what we really want to do is send it to the right and then bend it back to the target. That's right. There you go. And so it's really interesting working with golfers um, using the technology to help them kind of have a higher degree of awareness yeah. of, of things like that. And it's so interesting that just well, most golfers are, you know, oh, I need to do this to hook the ball or to fade or something. And, and it's like, no, you can actually take care of most of that stuff at your setup. Is, and this is when you're, is this using the technology of Eureka Core? Is that the <laughs> Um You're absolutely right. The better, the better players that you'll play the with. The unicorn. The unicorn. The better players you play with, the more open it looks. The, the more, like my buddy Henrik always says, like good players usually have a couple degrees open club face. More open than closed because... From a closed club face, you can't really do much with it. Right. You can either hold off or... It, it, there's no good players that hood their, their clubs at a dress. But lots of very good players have a little bit of a one or two degree open club face. Because from there, as Henrik was, would always say to me, you can do anything you want with the ball there. You're, you're give, you have a lot of choices. You can hold the face open and cut it. Or you can really, really um, rotate it at impact and, and draw it. I think it's interesting, too, that we're having a sort of golf swing conversation because what I wanted to talk about today, and again, I hadn't run this by you, but I'm assuming you'll go along, hopefully, is the the big story in golf uh, mm-hmm. announced this week is the rollback of the golf ball. 
You right? and I are of a similar. We, we've been playing golf for a, a long time. You know, I started, I'm sure, around the same time you did, back in the early 70s. And I'm, for people who don't know, basically, they're, they're rolling back the... There's, a, there's a, a phrase I had picked. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a name for this rule, a modified something rule. It doesn't matter what it is, but the... Um, I have a lot of the dis- I have a lot of the facts in front of me, but before I get into the minutia of it, I'm just curious what your initial thoughts are, um, especially if a guy for a guy that's been playing golf as long as you have. Um, well, I'm in favor of of the rollback, um, and I I do agree that it's it's better across the board uh, rather than the professionals play one ball and amateurs another ball um and i think it's 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 better for golf now the core thing of course is that the recreational golfers go wait a sec i don't want to lose you know one yard i honestly don't think that at the end of the day it's going to make much of a difference um really in in how far um you know someone's going to hit the ball whether they're 50 or 60 years old and I also think that um that it like really currently so many golfers use uh Pro V ones or, or TP fives. Um and it quite honestly it doesn't make much of a difference until you're a better player. Mm-hmm. So this is gonna have far more of an impact on elite amateurs and professionals, and I don't really think it's going to have much of an impact on the recreational golfer. I agree. The uh, thing I was trying to remember uh, is called the model local rule. That's right. Yep. And earlier this year, when they were discussing this, the USGA promote, promote proposed a model local rule that would just be for tour players and not affect the rest of the golfing industry. And they couldn't come to an agreement and so what they did is they said, well, if we can't modify it at the professional level, then we're going to have to modify it for everyone overall. I agree with you in, for the most part. I, I don't think it will affect a lot of people. And I think people will have time to get their heads around it. From a personal point of view, I'm, I'll be 64 in January. My club head speed, on average, is about 101, 102 miles an hour. So Which is I'm amazing li- for a person of your vintage. But it's a, so that would be a little bit above average for a, a nap, you know, average male golfer's club head speed is in the early 90s. So yeah, you're a lot over the average, but anyways, go ahead. But, but my point is, so it will affect me. Well, it would affect me this year by about three to five yards. The, 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 without getting into the, the, the weeds here about the numbers at the pro level and, and what, they're, what they're scaling it back, for a, an uh, elite amateur, of which I'm not, I'm talking about D1 players and, and guys like uh, our buddy Fitzsimmons, and professionals, it will roll back the ball probably about 13 yards at the highest club head speed level, which is around 125 miles an hour, which most people, as you said, it will affect almost no one that we know. That's right. My, where I divert a little bit is I just hope that it doesn't take away from some of the things that have drawn people to the game of late, and I say of late, the last 10 or 15 years, is seeing pros hit it forever. Right. But I suspect that it doesn't mean, and again, without getting into the science of it, it doesn't mean that you're not going to see 350-yard drives anymore. But they're going to put a limit on how much spin and and um, just kind of, by the way, it's very analogous to what they did with the tennis ball years ago. Mm. In the early 2000s, t- tennis balls were way too hot and the tennis federation scaled back the, because all the game became was like a serve there wasn't right. a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of um, rallies and volleys, whatever they call yep. it. Yep. Rallies. Yep. So what they're going to do? It's similar to that with this golf ball situation. Again, 
at our age, my age is 64 in January, by the time they roll it out for all amateurs, which is six years from now, I'm going to be 70. So it will affect, again, on a personal note, it'll never affect me because by the time they roll it back for amateurs, they're making it mandatory for pros in 28. In 30, 2030, they're making it mandatory for everyone. By that time, I'm going to be playing the white tees all the time. And, you know, so, and in fact, I think what this will, I'm going to move it, throw it back to you in a second. I think what this will do for a lot of amateur golfers is what it, what they should have done anyway, which is play the tees forward. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were younger, a 385 yard par four was a pretty long par four. That's right. So yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. And, um, so this year was an interesting year for me. The season just concluded. Um, so I was captain of our senior Ryder Cup team. And I hadn't played the white tees at Blue Springs in years. And uh, it was interesting and fun. Yeah. And it, it meant for a really good time. Um, you know, I still immense and I would play the blues. I just, uh, I just really enjoy it. But it doesn't... It, that there's so much unfortunate baggage tied to how far we hit the golf ball, particularly the whole macho thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really is stupid. Um, I get caught up in it just like everybody else every once in a while. But, um, you know, playing for different tees doesn't mean, um, you know, if you go up a set of tees that, um, you know, you're you're now into uh, incontinence and <laughs> dentures. <laughs> That's right. That's what they should call them. Uh, I'm gonna. Are you guys gonna play the blue tees? I'm gonna play the incontinent tees today. Sponsored by yeah. Depends. That's right. I'll be. No, I'm gonna be playing the uh, mid denture, the denture incontinent hybrids. <laughs> Sponsored by Polydent. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. It's you know what I think is gonna happen. I, I think in terms of. Uh, yeah, I was reading this morning. Um, Golf Digest did this thing. They talked to all these, you know, you know, old guys playing um, Tory Pines, and they said one of the cool things about watching professional golf is how far they hit the ball. Uh, yeah, it, it's really cool too. There's a wow factor, but the wow factor also includes the way professionals shape their shots, to, the, just to, the trajectory, how much they curve the ball. The, in, in terms of what they do. So I don't completely buy that it's going to take that exciting element away from it. But, I mean, the core question really comes down to, and I think this is what the governing bodies say, where does it stop? That's right. You know, where does it stop? I mean, so baseball, I mean, if you have a hotter and hotter baseball, you know, uh, fly balls that were going, you know, just to the warning track are now out. How do you build? Do you, do you build? You extend the wall at Wrigley or you know at Fenway? Tim, if I may just interject on something you just said, I totally agree with. This isn't really so much about the current state of the game. It's to mitigate just what you said is where it could end. You know, again, I'm looking at the numbers now about what's what's because just like drivers had to conform, and just like there has to be a conforming. Uh, structure on irons, etc. All they want, all they're doing, is is getting the golf ball under control, so that it, so that at some point guys aren't hitting at four twenty, because you know it's like how long is a where's the end of this rope, um, and so you know again they're just trying to make it so that there is a limit based on club head speeds that are in no one nobody listening has to worry about the 125 mile an hour club head speed. And the other thing I would say, too, just before I throw it back again, is if you want to hit the ball farther, you still can. You just have to do it by being in better shape and having better technique. Because nobody's going to say to me, like, okay, old guy, you can't swing at 105. I could if I wanted to. You know, if I wanted to dedicate the next year of my life to doing that. But to your point about good players and pros, I don't think there's, you know, I'm, you know, my handicap is scratch. I don't think I'm going to get to plus two by hitting it 15 yards further. That's not, that's not where the scoring is coming from anyway. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, uh, Carl Morris, um, 
he said, uh, I remember a number of years ago, he said, are you playing exhibition golf or scoring golf? There you go. Exhibition golf is trying to hit the ball as far as you can, you know, that, that kind of thing. And, and there's certainly, that's certainly fun. I mean, one of the, the great things about golf is just when you just absolutely uncork one and it feels, you know, like effortless and you just it goes through that nice window and it just feels so good. And the fairways good. are firm. Listen, I, I, I've, I've often said All that, that for, for a, if, if I were a bazillionaire, what I would build is an 18-hole golf course that's nothing but shortish par fives and all of them would be downwind. Because I guarantee you, guys, forget par. Nobody, they would be packed every day because every par five would be kind of reachable and it would always be downwind. I wrote this down this morning. I think you'll love this. Is there a bigger lie in golf, maybe in life? Is there a bigger lie than how far men, men in particular, say they hit a golf ball? Oh, absolutely. Like, I, you know, I, how many times this summer does somebody tell you, oh, yeah, the other day I went out there at uh, Tarandawa and I uncorked it to his leg 340 yards. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It just wasn't. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, again, most guys, you know, the average male, like f- the average male uh, golfer's uh, driver distance is about 217 yards. That's it. Yeah. I got to tell you this quick story here. I've been down here in uh, the Mayan Riviera. I'm sort of between, I'm in a, I'm in a little Pueblo that's between uh, Playa del Carmen and Tulum. Just to give you some context of where I'm been staying, it's right at sea level. It's very, very humid. Like it's incredible. Imagine oh, the most yeah. humid day in the summer in Toronto or the GTA and then make it 35 degrees and twice that humid. So here's the thing, the golf course I'm playing so basically, my point is, at sea level, the golf ball isn't flying as far as it does. Even in Toronto, which is about, we've had this discussion, 600 feet above sea level. How do I know that? Because of my Anyway, so, it's, in, it's a little bit um, humbling, to use that mm-hmm. pun. Because here at this golf course I'm playing, you get zero roll. The fairways are past Palom and Bermuda. Every time yep. the ball, every time the ball lands, it picks up some mud. Like we play lift clean and plays all the time here because there isn't uh, anything that hits the ground and rolls. So I've been hitting. I just wrote a couple things down. The other day I crushed a drive, just like you described it. The, you know, it just hit. I hit it in that window, and I know that back home. I just know what that would... That's a 275-yard drive. I get to my ball, and I've hit it 235. And I crushed it. <laughs> like, just killed it. I've hit more 143-yard seven irons down here. And because... And, and I, whenever I play with people, and I've got to play with a couple of decent players this week, and who, who I'm sort of... Who have never played the course, and they ask me what to hit. I said, here's what I tell you. First of all... It's, you're into the wind, so add a club. Secondly, it's, the ball doesn't go very far. Add another club. And, you know, you might have, it might be, the other day I had like 150-something to the green uphill into the wind, and I had six iron in my hand. And you know what? When I was a kid, we, I had six iron in my hand at 153 or 158 or whatever it was. It doesn't make the, the my point about the rollback now is those numbers are just numbers. It doesn't yes, make the game absolutely. any less enjoyable. And yeah, it's, you know, like, again, you're still going to make good swings. But I got to tell you, I've been down here for almost six weeks. I've played maybe 10 times. And I've had a couple of drives that were downwind, downhill, that I hit somewhat normal distance. The rest, man, I'm out there, <laughs> out there crushing it 235. It's pretty weird. But it's given and me. And you're a, loving it. Exactly. It doesn't mean it, it's the same game. That's right. And like to me, so you reminded me something. Well, I twigged on to something that's pretty interesting about the sea level bit. But just before I get there, to me, yeah, it, you want to hit the ball far, and oh, it went this far. Yeah, that, that's great. To me, so much of golf, it's kind of what I call the visceral thrill mm-hmm. of a solid shot, and just the crack, the sound, everything, just the feel as it you know, vibrates from your hands up to your arms and through your body. It just feels so good. And I don't think it matters at all whether you hit a five iron or a seven iron into a green. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 
it's pretty nice. You know, the higher lofted, the lower lofted clubs, when you really hit it solid, man, that feels good. But, you know, the, the thing that, I, the point I really wanted to make was, so I've played a lot of golf in Myrtle Beach. Uh, for There was a while there where every spring when I was writing golf in the, uh, in, in the, in the 90s, uh, I would go down to Myrtle Beach Every spring before the Masters, I play in the, the Golf Writers of America tournament, and you're at sea level. Mm-hmm. So you have to add at least a club. Well, Myrtle Beach still seems to be a pretty popular place for people to play golf, and they hit the ball shorter there. It doesn't make any difference That's in the right. popularity of the game. Well, and I was going to add, too, for context, the course I'm playing, I've basically been playing the white tees. I do a little high, sort of a hybrid. There's a couple of blue. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll play it at around 6,300 to 6,400 yards. The last couple of days, I've been swinging it pretty well. So I've gone back a tee just for fun and played it at 65.50 or so. It's a very long 65.50. So, yeah, I've had some like like the ninth hole yesterday. You know, it's this really sharp dog leg that from the sort of the white blues, I can just take it over these trees and I'll have like a seven iron in. But from the tees I was playing, I played the back tees yesterday. You know, I had a hybrid into this. I had 217 into this green. And I got to tell you, the, I, you, know, you know, we always often talk about, you know, when you die, when you journal about a, a great shot you hit or you go to sleep and you're thinking of that shot. I hit this hybrid into this par four, 217 to about 25 or 30 feet. It, it was my favorite shot of the day. This yeah. Pump? Pardon, I fist pumped myself. Like it was such <laughs> a good little shot that like I thought, you know, so what? It wasn't a seven iron. I still had to, I still got to hit a cool shot. And yes, I mean, I think again, by the time it affects, I'm a, I know you're a couple years older than me, by the time it goes in this, this, uh, rollback goes into f- wide reuse for amateur golfers. Now, I don't know what that's going to do to the amateur tournaments we play in, but maybe they'll do that by 2028. But by the time the, most people listening, it won't. I'm not gonna, it won't matter to me at all. I don't know what I'm going to be swinging it at age 70, but the fact that I'll still be playing will be a blessing of sorts anyway, right? <laughs> the visceral thrill of being alive. Exactly. I'll be playing the incontinent. Uh, I'll be playing the Alzheimer's tease. I won't, you know, I won't even fucking... I'll have no idea. Uh, and I think most people... Most people could get that golf ball in their hands, whatever they're going to call it, the new golf ball. They could get it in their hands tomorrow and they wouldn't really notice much of a difference. Even though, again, looking at this article I'm, I'm referencing, even though for most average players, even in the 90s club head speed, it will be it will be a few yards. But, does, you know, so if you normally, again, the average male hits at 217, 220. That means the, their average ones. That means their shitty ones are 205 and their good ones are 235. So, And I think in that array of variance... You'll still hit it. The good ones will be 235 and the shitty ones. Maybe the good ones will be 232 now. And the bit, yeah. you know what I mean? You really won't notice it. Maybe you'll have to club up a club. You were supposed, you should have anyway. That's right. But you know, what's also intriguing to me is um, the possibilities that the technology will adapt, not necessarily to give more yardage, but maybe in things like uh, a ball that, flies lower goes higher you know dimple patterns um spin rates that kind of thing i mean it, you don't know i mean 2028 is five years from now for the pros and uh you know uh, what is it seven or so for for the for well the no but let, let me just jump in though you're not because to be correct they they are going to limit the spin rate and launch angle a golf ball can attain but, but you made a really good point i thought you know that TaylorMade and Titleist and Cobra and etc. Callaway, they're going to find a way to maximize the distance that their drivers, they're going to make golf clubs. Like, you know, one of the first things I thought this week was by the time I'm 68, 69 and 70, you know, there's there's golf clubs I could use right now that would give me 10 extra yards. Mm, you yeah, know, there's they the, may not be conforming. No, no, I'm no, they are. I'm saying they like, oh. The, the, like, for, you know, I use 790s, but there's the uh, TaylorMade has a line of clubs 
the um, I can't remember the name of them, but they would give me ten more yards right now. They're the performance. Oh, you're talking to the irons, yeah. The yeah. irons. I'm yeah. I'm saying like. Yeah. You know, there's a set of irons I could use if I wanted. I, I could hit my 7 iron 180, you know, 175. But I just choose not to because of, you know, playability in the field. But yep. to your point, there's going to be lots of opportunities to find those yards if you really are missing them. But most people are hitting, you know, that's why I say I played a lot the last uh, couple of weeks with people that all, all don't take enough club. You know, I've played with some really nice people and, you know, they get to talking and you know, I never tell them what I do. I, I always sort of come up with some, uh, you know, I'm a consultant because I don't want to spend the whole day talking about well, of course what, you what kind of what kind That's of pun- one of the wonderful things about golf. You don't get to escape your life. But but oftentimes by the time they, and they can sort of see I'm a decent player and yeah. we start talking about I've, I've turned some people on to our podcast. And I, I usually say I'm sort of working in a little around the golf business. You know, I talk about Club Link. And you and I, and uh, invariably, though, you know, they ask me because they haven't played the course before. And universally, most people I play with don't take enough club. And you made a really another interesting point. I thought earlier because they'll ask me, "Well, you play with a couple of younger guys, and they're you know they can see I can hit it, and they can hit it. What are you going to hit?" Well, I'm going to hit six arm. Like really? I said and I'm, I've said this to somebody. If you want to see how far I can hit a golf ball, let's go to the range. Because that's where, you know, I, we, I can turn my six iron into a four iron. But in this particular moment, I'm trying to get this ball on the green. I don't care what the number on the bottom says. That's right. And I use you as an example when I'm talking to people about course management and club selection. Is We've had this discussion on, um, on the show a few times is that there's no point in asking someone what they hit. It's about what you can do mm-hmm. and knowing you know, and any golfer who's trying to you know wants to play scoring golf well over time you'll learn how far you hit certain shots but to really take your game to another level you need to know and that's one of the things that Trackman etc did uh, particularly for players like I remember Dustin Johnson saying um, before every round he sees how far exactly he hits his wedges. That's right. And that took his ability to score that much higher. So if you're really invested in, in you know, bringing your index down and all that, then you need to know how far you hit your shots. And then it doesn't matter what anyone else is hitting. Again, coming back to that whole macho thing, who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. I mean, like, I mean, because there's, it's such a cool thing that you talked about. No, I'm just laughing. By the way, if you're keeping score at home, that's Tim's second fuck. I've only done one. Just as right now, Tim is leading in the fuck category, two fucks to one. Continue, please. No, but one of the most fun things that you can do in golf is, you know, you're hitting into a headwind. Maybe there's some rain or something. And, you know, instead of from, say, 155 hitting an eight iron, you might hit a six, mm-hmm. grip down, play it back in your stance a little bit. You know, you shorten your backswing. You, you know, you kind of go from you know ten to four. That's that is fun stuff to me, rather than a stock swing and and um, that's you know I always hit my eight arm this far. Again, I guess we're talking another level of golfer, but that to me again is. The fun of golf to me so much is is just walking up to whether it's on a tee box or in a fairway going, okay, what do we got here? What's the shot here? And looking at what the options are and just choosing the club and the shot you're going to hit. To me, that's as fun as the uh, the impact part. I had a, uh, a pretty funny situation happen last week. It made me laugh a little bit. I, I got joined up with this nice couple in their early 50s from uh, Pennsylvania. And a bunch she, of kids. Saying, yeah, just, yeah, just a bunch of kids. A couple of kids on vacation. And uh, I could see they were golfers. We got joined up in the first hole. And, and that, and, you know, on so she's playing the red tees, the ladies' tees. And uh, from the from the it's a 385 yard ish par four, depending on the tees you play from the ladies tees. It's about 245 to the green. And it was playing really like it's also super windy here. There's very, very, very few rounds around here where it's not a couple of club winds gusting to a multi club wind. So we're way downwind and I haven't seen her make one swing. So she's and we get so her husband and I hit off. 
And then we drive up to Hertie's. And the group ahead of us is still on the green. But it's about 245 to the green. And uh, I'm sort of like, you know, on the rhythm of the, of the game, I'm kind of waiting for her to hit. And she doesn't hit. And she's a uh, very athletic woman. She's not a, I don't know how to say this without... She's not. She's a bigger woman, but bigger in terms big of bone gal. But but not heavy, but just tall and strong, and you know mm-hmm. she's not a. She doesn't look fragile, and so, yeah. so I'm sort of like sitting in the cart, like sort of getting like you can go ahead and hit now, and and just as I'm thinking that, she says to her husband, "Maybe I should wait," and I'm like, well, "Wait, what are we waiting for here? You know, I don't know you, but what are we waiting for?" And sure enough, she waits for the green to clear. And it's 2.45. And she gets up, Timmy. And, and I'm going to get my second one. She fucking roasts it. <laughs> just fucking, just kills it. Just like 15-ish yards short of the green. And I got to tell you, her name is Christine. This woman, Christine, hit every drive all day just like that. It was such a delight. Like, she, now... She also hit her second shots like that. She had no fucking control whatsoever. She had one shot, which was this. She had a wide stance and just killed it. And it was funny because I'm thinking, oh, man, I've lucked out because my first thought was good for you because now I don't have to. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, because I've played with people down here that have shot a million. So my first shot, yeah. again, selfishly is great. I've got some golfers to play with. And then she gets up and she might have been 20 yards short of the flag and she took her whatever wedge and hit that 30 yards over the green. So she hadn't, didn't have much of a. There was there was a bit of a gap in her ability, but mm-hmm. she showed me, man. She's waiting for the green. I'm like, you're waiting for the green to clear, really? And then she honestly, if another bounce or two, and she would have gotten up on the surface. <laughs> so I loved it, and she oh. was great to play with. In fact, she yeah. hit it better. She hit it way better uh, than her husband. And I thought that was an interesting dynamic, you know, when your wife is the one that. Hits her, and she hit her. I'm honestly, she hit, I've, she hit her drive great all day. It was really cool. Yeah, I've, I've, it, it is interesting that occasionally you, you come up, uh, you play with a couple that you've just met, and, and she's the better golfer. Mm-hmm. That's, it's always kind of interesting. But everyone has a story like the one you just shared yeah. about coming up and like going, hey, what are you waiting for? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I oh, actually yeah. had that happen to me. Um, um, so uh, my cousin Bob got married in Saskatchewan so he arranged that the next day uh, the cousins would play golf and the cousins uh, wives would play golf so they were in the group ahead so we tee off and and, uh, one of my cousins don't really get along really he's kind of an odd duck Um, anyway so we're out in the fairway I don't it's par 5 I guess and um and I'm waiting. And he says, uh, what are you waiting for? And I went, uh, well, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the green to clear. And he goes, it's just, he says, you're not going to hit the green. <laughs> <laughs> really? And, and my cousin Ken goes, who I'd played a ton of golf with, goes, um, well, I've played a lot of golf with Tim and he can. And But it was right, you know, it's in that area that that you know maybe i miss it or whatnot well i'll tell you howard i waited the green cleared and it was like i was hitting a shot to win the fucking british open Uh there's three now (laughs) jesus what's going on with you so i stood over the ball and um i nailed it and it just trickled onto the front of the green it was and you showed that fucker (laughs) there we go we're tied now I just don't know what's going on with you. Uh, first of all, a great story. You know, there, it made me think, what, what is it about? Because I've, I've had to wait for the green to clear on a par five a couple times down here. Just park that for a second. I play a lot down here. Um, there's a few people my brothers introduced me to. So I've played with some people that I know and they know me. Um, they know I can play. But the weirdest thing when you play, I play. With, so my point is I play with a lot of people that never played with me before. And, That's right. And, and they don't know whether I'm a scratch golfer or they don't know. And so whenever it comes, I find it very awkward mm-hmm. if it comes up early in the round. Usually after a few holes, people kind of catch on to the fact that I've got some skill that they're not familiar with. Because honestly, I know this sound like a dick. Most people don't play with a lot of golfers with a really, really low handicap. 
they just don't. They play with a bunch of people that are like I played with this, like the husband of the woman that could really hit it. He was like an 11. So if you're an 11, you know, you don't really play with a lot of zeros and plus ones. You know, I, I, I do because the, I'm sort of that's my cohort. You do because you're around the game. So but usually by the time they've figured out that I can play they can sort of see, oh, if I say I'm scratch, I've, I've just made six pars in a row. And I, there's a certain way I hit the golf ball, whatever. But uh, when it comes up early, like if it comes up too early in the round, like the first, second, like if I'm playing the back tees or the blue tees and they're playing the whites, I always feel a little awkward. Like, oh, what do you play? I feel like there's some pressure on me. Yes. Oh, totally, I feel like there's totally. some pressure on me not to like. Oh, I guess I got to deliver. I got I got it in front of strangers. how stupid this game is. In front of strangers, I have yeah, to somehow. People ju- you'll never I'll see ne- exactly. for the rest of your life. I have to somehow justify that I'm playing 30 yards behind them. It's a lot. It's a lot yes. going on. Uh, anyway, for, but usually if, if, it, if the handicap question comes up, Later in the round, then there's sort of an oh they, they can see you know I was two one with two over on the front and we're you know it's, I've, I've just made a bunch of pars and the odd birdie and I don't make a lot of shots I go into the jungle but uh, yeah I, I, that's always that thing about playing with strangers by the way we're gonna I just want to say before we wrap up because uh, we're getting close to uh, the end which is you know in our case like twenty minutes. I did want to see if you wanted to talk about this other bit of news and get your opinion on it. And that is the news that uh, there is a strong possibility that the number three player in the world, John Rahm. Don't go. Don't go. Is going to go to live, which remember, they have until the end of December to figure out what they're doing with the PIF and the PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. But the number that's been thrown around. And you say, you, you say, don't go, don't go. But dude, 450 million pounds is $600 million. Don't you lie to me and say, well, I wouldn't go because I'm so much integrity. There's $600 million. <laughs> what about legacy? Legacy schmegacy. I mean, that's more than the, the GDP of a lot of countries in the world. Who needs that much money? It's obscene. It's vile. It's... Sorry, like you, wait reaction. a second. You wouldn't take six hundred million dollars. Hey, wait a second. You're at uh, the golf. <laughs> okay, you're at the golf house in Guelph. Sean Casey at Burl Oak Indoor Golf calls you up and says, "Tim, we want you to come and teach here for six hundred million dollars." Like, no, it's too much money. Stop it. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm disappointed like having a mighty Python sketch. I, I'm disappointed mm, because I like, asked me that question. I like John um, Rom. I like John Rom, and I'm disappointed only in that uh, it would make it would be. I would see him less. I love I love him as a golfer. I think he's a great player, and he, like he's already won the Masters. He's already won the U.S. Open. He's in every major for the next you know number of years. I would just be disappointed because I think it would dev- it would make the PGA Tour less and i think it would be a drag because uh, i don't watch any live golf i'm not invested totally. i'm not invested in the four aces and the range goats and i don't give two and a half shits <laughs> whether they you know whether they, i just saw something online this morning taylor gooch went to the range goats and like i don't i didn't care about taylor gooch when he played on the pga tour i know i know and like you know like to me I don't know. I, so they got all all this dough. Is there ugh, are their lives that much better now that they got more money than God, uh, and that their families are secure forever? I mean, I don't know. Just, just it just to me, it, it just gets hollow. I'm sorry, I just can't relate what whatsoever. Um, you know, and to me, it's really weird that um, there's so many good players: Brooks, uh, DJ. Uh, even Bryson, he's annoying. But um, you know, Cameron Smith. It's like they dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah, and they're not playing in um, you know in a Tiger's Friends tournament that we just had last week, and and that kind of thing. And um, but um, I don't know. It just that that it, it just hits but, me at a spot yeah, but, where I just go, really, how much. Fucking money that you need. Well, that's yeah, but you could ask that of any athlete. I mean, you you know, you you watch lots. Yeah, of okay, people. I know, I know, but oh, that's part of why. You know what? Just just give fucking grow. I don't, that's just, why I wait, use your just, phrase. Just, I don't give two just shits. Grow just grow up. Just grow up and accept that athletes make six hundred million dollars. I'm just bugging you. I, but yeah. the thing that's weird about it is they're going to. He might listen. 
He knows something. The PGA Tour is merging with this tour in some way, manner, and fashion. So why not take the money? If, 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 if in a year from now, you're just going to be back playing the farmer's insurance, you know, whatever the fuck that thing is called. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and as far as people, you know, how much money do people need? Again, if you got offered, I don't know. Listen, I know the golf house is great, but if somebody, if, 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 if <laughs> Jake Ka- and Mac, are you listening? If Casey called you up and said, I'll tell you what, Tim, I'll give you 20 grand <laughs> more. You'd be, you'd be gone in a heartbeat. Forget $600 million for $6,000. You'd probably drive. <laughs> you'd probably drive well, over like there the car now. So I wouldn't worry about my, my impact on the environment. Drive. You don't do what? Well, yeah, you have electric. Exactly. I have an electric car, so I wouldn't have to worry um, about that. You brought up uh, tiger's little uh, thing. And uh, I watched, you know, like I, I, you know, it's like tiger was second in the player impact uh, money thing at the end of the year, the PGA tour does now. And he didn't play. He played like four times or some stupid thing. So Tiger still moves the needle. I mean, people say that. Uh, what did you think of Tiger at 48? Did you watch any of it? I watched a bit, yeah. I mean, I agreed with McGinley, who that's another topic we could get into briefly is uh, Bye Bye Zinger. And it looks like McGinley, he's the likely uh, replacement. Well, the other guy, too, like they, were, they were auditioning both Paul McGinley and... Um, yeah, what's his name? He's I like him too. Um, yeah, fuck is the other guy? There was Those two guys. guys. There was there was two guys in the booth that the whole weekend was Dan Hicks, Paul McGinley, and the other dude, some other guy. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, I'll get his Combined name. Age one hundred twenty. Okay, no, exactly. Um, well, we get his name. He, he's great. Yeah. Uh, so Tiger was. So Tiger's. Um, I mean, his iron game was off. I mean, yes. he just. I mean. He's, he was hitting the ball out there. Swing looked great. Short game still pretty sharp. Um, yeah, there's no reason why. I mean, it'd be great to watch Tiger, but you know, uh, is he going to be competitive? You know, maybe in you know tier three events. Uh, he's not going to play John Deere, but that level, um, I, I don't. I just don't see him. Uh, that maybe at the Masters, where distance isn't as big a deal as U.S. Opens, but. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's fun. To, it's it's fun to watch him. I think that uh, what a privilege it is to watch. You know, the goat, if you will. Um, to me, it'd be like watching um, uh, Babe Ruth being able to play. It, it, it's it's an amazing opportunity. I was amazed how much he was sweating. Well, it was very hot there. Uh, Kurt Byram is the guy I'm thinking of. Kurt Byram. Eh, he's a bit too vanilla to me. Um, McGinley he's a, is... Yeah, McGinley's the sharper of, of the two in terms of his, you know, credibility. But I think... He's got an Irish accent. I think Kurt Byram's a good broadcaster. I like him on the Golf Channel. He's kind of like that second guy. Um, yeah. I think McGinley, though, unfortunately for him, might be a little bit... I hate to say this because it's you know sound going to sound weird. He might be a bit too foreign um, because yes, I know the that they had um, Nick Faldo on CBS for years, but I think McGinley uh, is great, and I think Kurt Byram, like I said, they gave him it was a weird. They did a two man audition for that entire mm-hmm. weekend. Um, they need somebody with a sense of humor for God. Well, sakes. that's Paul McGinley. That, yeah, but that and that's what made Faldo such so much so interesting he could be funny um i just found zinger over the top but um anyways um we've talked about zinger on this show before i find it fascinating that you continue to call him zinger like (laughs) like uh, I don't know why. I don't know. Weirzy, Amesy. You know, no, I know. It's a thing to do. I guess if you don't like the guy, why call, keep calling him Zinger? Like, I don't what, know. What, I, I, I don't this know, is where we did. disagree. I think Paul Azinger, um, I don't, I think he was, you know, way better than most people think. I mean, he was a little bit too hokey at times. But what I like about him is he's got massive credibility. Oh, totally. And, totally. and I think that got lost in a lot of people. Who call a lot of zinger, a lot of zinger haters, um, because the, you know, forget the fact that he won a PGA and that he was a, a gritty, gritty competitor on the PGA tour. Like his actual tour career was pretty good, Hall of Fame level. But his work as a captain totally. of the Ryder Cup, his Ryder Cup experience alone is going to get him into the Hall of Fame. 
Oh, yeah. And maybe some of that didn't translate. But I was one of those people. I didn't think he was as bad. And, and by the way, he, they didn't fire him. He just didn't accept. He, he, had, he was going to get another contract. They didn't fire him. He, fi- he sort of fired them because they offered him less money. And he said, no, fuck it. I don't need this shit. I didn't, oh, that's, that's not what I... I didn't see that. So that's interesting. I, I didn't... Oh, I thought it was a... I thought they just no, sir. Go, if you will. No, man. Um, mm, that's okay. I, in, in the uh, in the reading that I do, uh, I didn't see that. Well, because you because you're I, a zinger hater. You maybe I missed just, that paragraph. Maybe I skimmed it. Um, as far as Tiger's performance, I agree with you. Like I, I mean, I watched a lot of it because I like it, and I, you know, I'm down here by by myself most of the weekend, and uh, Senora was busy and. Uh, so I was uh, watching it, and uh, I just don't think he, I just don't think, like, I don't know, like, he's 48, his leg hurts him, he's talking about playing once a month, you know, as anybody listening who's played any competitive golf, you know, it's hard, you, you need to play a few events, and, you know, I don't know, he, he says, that, you know, I, I would like to see him win one more, even though Sam Snead's 82 aren't really as good as Tiger's, because some of them were like an invitational with three other dudes, but, you know, there's the, you know, there's the record of 82, I'd like to see Tiger get to 83 and then That'd be just awesome. hang it up. That would be freaking awesome. What I find um, intriguing is he he's turning into the Incredible Hulk. Oh, yeah. My goodness, what a big lad he is. I yes, mean, yes. Th- I think Golf Digest put a picture up of, of uh, early in his career, like, you know, 97. He looks like a rake, and then it looks bigger. And now he looks like, like I say, the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Um, well, they mentioned... You, you know what's funny? Yeah, but just quickly, you know what was interesting is that they showed um, in sort of an advance piece on the PNC, yes. Father and Son, which can play with Charlie. Yeah, yeah. As soon as they showed Tiger with Charlie and that, like, my heart just swelled. And I had this big picture, big smile on my face. And so that I get way more a charge out of than watching him tee it up with uh, JT and Jordan and all those. Mm. I, watching him be a dad and it's just sort of the evolution of tiger you know as as a uh as he moves into his elderhood yeah is uh, that to me is really interesting and i love that he's now moving into a leadership position in terms of the game and he's basically you know this is what the great players do like jack and arnie is that they they start to become ambassadors for the game and so it's really interesting how you know Tiger's now got this position where you know Monahan doesn't have the the commissioner of the PGA Tour doesn't have the outright power that he had before because he he basically broadsided everybody with that whole piff thing. Yes. Um, no um, one knew that was coming. So that to me is that to me is almost like more interesting. So rolling back like six points ago when you talk about Tiger's size. Um, <laughs> The reason he's bulked up even more, because he's been bulking up for years, but the reason is because he, ha- he can't create any speed with his right. lower body. Getting back to our initial discussion on the show about swing, and Tiger's got such great hands and such great path and club face control, but he doesn't have, he can't push off anymore from the ground. So yeah. he was still, you know, he was still getting it out there. Uh, he was as long as any of those guys in the field, longer than some of them as well. And as far oh, as what, but as far as where he goes, like you know, Jack Nicholas never really played a lot on the uh, Champions Tour or the Senior Tour, as it was called. He won a few times, won a few Senior Majors, but he kind of quiet made, made sort of like the Irish goodbye. You know, he kind of quietly never announced anything, just stopped really playing and i remember something that nicholas said early on in his or maybe it was as he was turning 50 or getting ready for the champions tour i think he said something like and you may have read this too where he said listen i've already beat these guys for the last 25 words to this effect i've already beat them why do i have to go and start beating them again and all and i and because really some of the most successful guys on that tour, Bernard Langer, um, Hale Irwin, etc., they were top players, but they didn't have the careers that Nicholas or Tiger does or did. So I think to myself, is Tiger really 
Is he going to go out there and compete against Steve Stricker and guys that are really good on the senior level? Who wants to get beat by? Because he's already beat them a million times. Yeah, so what's I, the incentive? Yeah, that's right. What's the incentive? Unless, of course, somebody offers him six hundred million. million. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim O'Connor. Uh, there it is. Right. Another I think episode. On, uh, you know, I, I think you may. Uh, in terms of like uh, insights, you might have uh, had more than me on that, but I think we, on the level of F words, I think we, we oh, came out level. So, no, listen, man. This was an epic episode. Uh, Swing Thoughts brought to you by TaylorMade for uh, 2023 and 2024 and beyond. Tim O'Connor, uh, make sure you get a chance to, if you can, get to the golf house in Guelph, hang out with Tim for a bit. Uh, you can get a hold of Tim and, and read your Substack too, which is also very good. How do people do that, Timothy? Uh, Substack, it's T-O'Connor at Substack.com. But if you just look at Substack, search for me and you'll find me. All right. If you're looking for me, uh, Humble and Fred are back. We're off this week. So December 11th, the last few weeks of Humble and Fred shows for 2023 and a chance to hang with us in person at Kelsey's on the uh, 20th of December. For the first time in four years since pre-pandemic, the Humble and Fred gift of Christmas is back again for 2023. And we'll see you soon. Swing Thought Nerds. London Town.